0: so. Hello, welcome to Episode Party, the podcast where we talk about our favourite podcasts. I'm Jack Tutor. I'm Freddie Harrison. And it's been a while, but we're back to talk about podcast listening in 2020, our favourite podcast of 2020, how we've listened to podcasts, our thoughts on how podcasting may have changed, and it's also just a nice excuse to chat with Freddie again. Hello, Freddie, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> what, a, what a year, what a year for podcasts. <laughs>
0: For us. For everything. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we could talk about so much more. We should probably keep it tight to podcasts. I'm intrigued to begin with. How has your podcast listening been in 2020? What's it looked like? How has it changed given the circumstances?
1: It has because I went from so... At the end of 2019, I went from uh, doing a commute to an office, which granted was only like maybe like half an hour. It's not your kind of like hour and a half or <laughs> however long it is. Um, it's been so long, I can't remember what your famous commute time is. But um, it, it, went, it, went, it went down to basically zero because I was working from home anyway, which prepared me very much for 2020 when everyone worked from home. But then, of course, I was working from home. Laura my fiance was working from home as well um sometimes but she was just home a lot more um because there was nowhere else to go so I went from having lots of spare time to listen to podcasts and not really having as much time on my own to listen to podcasts and you know sometimes uh it's nice to listen to podcasts together but you know podcast taste is a very personal thing you don't necessarily want to subject your better half to podcasts all the time (laughs) definitely not um and I, um, <laughs> I, I kind of just regressed into like a very core set of shows that I listen to a lot. I don't, uh, with, with the exception of kind of like the handful of shows that we're going to talk about, I, d- I don't think I've really listened to loads of new shows. Not certainly not deliberately. I didn't go seeking out stuff. I think I just wanted familiarity. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I've definitely talked before about there are certain shows for me that That feel more like I'm listening to friends having a chat and I think I needed a bit of that this year especially kind of because of the kind of more isolating kind of nature of 2020 I think it kind of helped so yeah I definitely regressed a little bit and probably listened to a lot less than I would just by virtue of not really having the same kind of like schedules and time to go out on on my own on big walks or like gone long drives which is another place that i did a lot of listening so yeah yeah it's, it's been a funny one i mean it's funny because yeah i still managed to sneak in a few new ones but probably not half as many as i would have done had uh, had i had more extended listening
0: time how about you similar like my commute about 75 minutes freds but can go go. up to 90 depending on traffic so i'll give you that (laughs) half a point um but yeah no obviously i've had that commute occasionally throughout 2020 but my company instructed everyone to start working from home on a permanent basis which i did so my commute was my podcast listening so you know i did that what twice a week that's like three hours of podcast listening no Six hours of podcast listening hmm. during the week, which is a ton of shows. And I was filling that with podcasts back when I was traveling into the office. And then in 2019, late 2019 as well, obviously I became a dad. And a lot mm. of being a dad in the early days is walking around the local area with a sleeping baby on your chest, or at least it was for me. So that <laughs> was podcast listening central as well. So... Yeah. That parenting's different now in the sense that actually he doesn't mind a bit of interaction. So <laughs> worth taking the headphones out so I can have a chat with him. So yeah. podcast listening has gone in that sense. It's also gone, you know, because of the commute. So like you, I've had podcast listening really drop off. But it has been something that when I have had the odd commute or I am driving around locally, I I'd, I'd, I'd have started to pop on podcasts again. I've had a very similar experience when you talk about wanting to have friends in your ears um i've had a similar thing where you know i used to love going to gigs and soaking up experimental music and these forms of culture that very much exists within physical spaces and not being able to access that these kind of like niche perspectives kind of i i ended up craving that through my podcast listening so a lot of the podcasts that i'm talking about on the show today i think are those that have a more general appeal like ones that i would want to share with listeners regardless of their persuasion in terms of music or politics or whatever but truthfully yeah. like the shows that have really I've, I've, I've gone to most regularly have been stuff like Navara media for their perspective on what's going on with covid and politics which is mm-hmm. like you know severely left-wing in a way which i haven't been able to find from mainstream outlets but also podcasts about like noise music, Scaredy Cats, the horror podcast as well. Freddie, you and I are oh, a member yeah. of a horror movie club. So stuff that, you know, exists on a level beneath, you know, what we're all consuming on a mass scale. Just something that makes me feel connected to like who I identify as based on like what music I like and films and, and whatnot. So that's the stuff that I've I've generally gone for. But yeah, um, I've just sorted it in sort of in podcasts
1: hmm yeah I mean that makes sense it's it's, uh yeah I can see I can see where the kind of the need to kind of double down on things that kind of really yeah I don't know really more align with stuff that matters to you personally I can see I can see that how that how you how how you get to that point when you have um a year where you are kind of I don't know more just more I don't want. I don't want to like over dramatize it and say we've all been isolated from each other. But like you are, you do spend a lot more time with yourself. If that yeah. makes any sense, like and a lot, you know that that lack of kind of like social time, I guess, just means that you get to double down a lot more on kind of your very own niche interests and you 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 jack do have niche interests like um <laughs> and luckily that's what the you know the podcast world is good for is yeah. uh, is is catering to those niche interests um but anyway regardless of niche interests, do you want to talk to us about uh one of your more general uh podcasts that you've uh, you recommended to me to have a listen to a yeah. few
0: weeks ago more general sounds almost dismissive but you know what yeah. I mean, right? I don't yeah. mean... Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Anyway, so first podcast that uh, I want to talk about is called Good One, a podcast right. about jokes from pop culture website Vulture, which is presented by Vulture Senior Editor Jesse David Fox. And basically, it takes a joke. So it, it's an interview with a comedian about a joke that they've told. Maybe they're a stand-up, maybe they have a television show, so it takes one specific joke and it... They talk about the joke, they break down why that joke is funny, they talk about its origins, which I think as a principle sounds like something that could go both ways. I mean, what is worse than taking a joke and dissecting why it's funny? That sounds like a dreadful idea. But I think what this podcast understands, and the balance it manages to strike, is that you can use a joke because uh, humour is such a personal thing, it's something that, you know, really gets down to the bones of who someone is in terms of what they find funny. You can use one single joke as a launch pad into, you know, talking about that person autobiographically, talking about what they find funny, talking about the origins of whatever it is that they're doing. Hmm. And so it uses that one joke as like a base camp that it sort of deviates from to talk about, you know, the comedian's personal life and, and and you know their introductions to comedy and how comedy functions within their life generally but then comes back to the joke to bring it back to this like very specific thing which means that it's not just another interview podcast so the podcast episode i recommended you to listen to freddie um <laughs> and let's be honest uh, this was an excuse to talk about this program rather than me you know generally being like a recommendation so it's the one about Stathlet's flats. Which is a sitcom on channel Four there's been two seasons of it, which is created and stars Jamie Dimitriu about a chap in London who works for an estate agent, a family estate agents, and he lets flats or tries to badly, badly. and <laughs> so they pick out an episode which like I say is based on a, a a meal where Jamie the main character and his sister they go on like a double date there's also another lad there and this podcast talks through that dinner date and what it specifically zooms in on is what each character like orders and why they order it the way that they do and Mm. jamie is like a, a, a wonderful interview guest he's so humble but really celebrates the people he works with i think jesse david fox clearly loves comedy i think it's he treats english comedians i think as a bit of a curious specimen (laughs) you can hear him sort of i i think he's definitely more um overtly adept when he's speaking to like american comedians you can hear him sort of uh there's a novelty factor the the fact that he's talking to jamie here but they just have this great conversation where you know jesse will ask jamie about his uh, history as a a comedian, like his relationship with his family, um, where his sense of humor comes from, and then we will wind back in to be like, so this character they order this pizza. Why do they do that jamie 's got mm. some wonderful lines where he talks about the fact that Staff let's Flats is basically people just saying shit that they heard on the telly, um, <laughs> and you know you get some real insight into. The show generally and the mechanics of it in a way that I don't think you could really get to if you didn't start with a specific joke. So this is the episode I picked because I fucking love Stathlet's Flats. I think it's the best thing that's ever been on telly. Um, (laughs) But also as well there are other great episodes. There's one I listened to just today with Cameron Esposito. She talks about a rape joke that she told and it digs right down into how she came into writing that rape joke as someone who was a rape survivor And, again, the interview that they have there is sprawling. goes in so many different directions. Uh, I love it. Freddie, what did you make of this one?
1: Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, the first thing that I noticed when uh, you sent me this recommendation, I went through my um, podcast app to try and and find both the show and then obviously find that very specific episode. The first thing I noticed is there's like a treasure trove of really interesting interviews about really good shows on there and with (laughs) really good comedians. Like... There is so much to go through and I kind of had to stop myself from getting distracted on the way to this episode because I knew that if I kind of allowed myself to queue up all of the other shows and comedians that kind of took, you know, to my fancy, then I'd I'd probably never get to this one. Right, yeah. I'm glad I did. It's it's a really nice episode. I think you know, like you say, Je- jesse's someone that clearly just fucking loves comedy and really knows his stuff, and just was a brilliant interviewer. And and Jamie's just super earnest. And like, yeah. d- there's no kind of pretentiousness about everything, anything he says or anything he's kind of the way he goes about things. There's an, there's no kind of like, you don't feel like he's trying to be too clever. But it is always nice to know there is a little bit of depth to what he's doing, which which there is. Um yes. I love that they kind of, the launch pad for the whole conversation, apart from obviously that specific scene in the show, um, which by the way, I've only ever seen the clip of. I've never actually watched that episode oh, yet because I am up. not far enough through. Oh. I know, I know. So um, good. I, but um, I like the, the other launch pad to this whole conversation was the fact that I think in Jamie's words, they kind of fucked it on the naming of the show <laughs> because Staff <laughs> yeah. Let's Flats doesn't translate at all very well internationally um, I'd love to know what it's like in kind of like Europe for example, Like, I, I mean I, uh, my job I do a uh, you know I, I work for an international company and I, I write for them so I kind of have to think about how these things translate all the time and we're talking about going from U- UK English to US English and it doesn't translate well. So I dread right. to think what it'd be like in other languages. Yeah. Maybe it'd be better, maybe it'd be worse. Maybe they're going to have to call it something completely different. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like, what's the, like, the American equivalent is, like, what, like, real estate staff or something like that. Even then, like, are people are going to know what staff is. I, I like the idea that they, they were talking about the fact that they, at one point, they just wanted to call the show staff. Yeah. And actually, I think that might work. I call it um, that anyway. I'm surprised they didn't rename it for the US. Put it that way, Um, but it was yeah, it was it was a lovely episode. Um, I've sought out a few interviews with Jamie now, just because I think after watching the first few episodes of Stath, like I, I found myself like really wanting to understand where it came from and everything else and it's always really nice to like hear him talk so kind of fondly about his sister natasha who's yeah. who who's in the show um and I, I just i really like how much he just praises her like I, he, he always talks about how brilliant she is and yeah. how inspired by her she is and I, the first time I saw him say that in an interview, she was sitting right next to him, and I thought it was just a joke. Like I thought that he was doing that to embarrass her. Yeah. But it's real. Like he actually really, really loves her, and yeah. that's a really nice thing. And it's kind of rare to see in in, in siblings. Or well, certainly, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I made my sister fought a lot. Um, <laughs> um we love each other it's fine but um yeah yeah it was it was a great episode and i did i like the way that it kind of there was kind of like different levels of zoom at some points yeah they're talking now about very specific words and phrases that were used within that that specific scene or that section oh God, of a yeah. scene that the the show focuses around and then at other times they're completely zoomed out to kind of like you know inspiration um you know the, the need for silly comedy um and you know the thing of the, you know the whole the whole the whole bit around like um taking a compliment and and people complimenting each other and stuff like that i found it all really really interesting it was just a really nice conversation um yeah it obviously helps when the subject matter is something that you are interested in as well and i think like you know I, I can't, I, I think, I, I'm not there to be able to say that it's the best thing on telly yet. But I do think it's like, <laughs> as far as comedy goes, that is like nothing else I've ever seen. So it's always really nice to kind of get a peek behind the curtain and see where that comes from. And uh, yeah, find out that it, like, I was still amazed that it's been, it was in development for as long as it was.
0: Yeah. right. What was it, like eight years or something?
1: Yeah. And I remember time. the... The Comedy Blaps episode that they talk about, which is, like, the first outing of Stath as a character on TV, I remember that. But I, I didn't realise it was, like, eight years between that and then, like, yeah. season one.
0: Yeah. Insane. But then when they talk about Stath as a character and the fact that he knows what Stath's favourite film is, you know, he he's clearly had a lot of time to accumulate every aspect of this character and yeah. really come through. When it came time to do the TV show, you could tell that it was... I'm just talking about staff look at this what a hijack Um, but yeah no I I mean what what, what I really do love about this podcast is that when you take something like staff you have something that is just ridiculous like when hearing them very slowly say the words you know quoting from the script hearing them say Mm. is it respect to interrupt and then breaking down (laughs) why they chose to do that is borderline absurd but I love the sort of ridiculousness of dissecting comedy in that way. It leads to some really cool places. All right, Freddie, your first yeah. podcast hit me. Let's
1: do it. Um, I'll go with something that I'd sort of count as comedy. It's not the most comedy recommendation I gave you, but it's the second most comedy recommendation, <laughs> which is a, a show called All Consuming. Um, which is a show uh, hosted by a photographer called Noah Kalina and a filmmaker called Adam Lissager. Um, and they are making a show about um, direct-to-consumer products. Um, direct-to-consumer products, in case you don't know, is, is, I think, in their words, all the bullshit that gets sold to you on Instagram. Jack, you're not a social media user, but I'm sure you're aware that if you scroll through an Instagram feed advertising pops up probably like every like third or fourth photo or something ridiculous like that now and usually it's like a direct to consumer product so a product that you can go on the product's website and order that thing and they will send it to you directly from them the maker manufacturer person Mm -hmm. so that's the direct to consumer part there's no like you don't go into a store and buy it they've marketed it to you on instagram using instagram ads you go on their website they ship it to you and this is like a whole industry now. Like, it's direct-to-consumer has always been a thing, but it's like the the kind of advent of social media and social media advertising has like made it explode. And all of these products have a very similar aesthetic. Um, they have a very similar kind of tone of voice in their marketing. Um, they, they tend to like, although they are different products, they are all solutions, well, specific types of solutions or a specific kind of format of a solution to a certain problem and this show kind of like both celebrates it and pokes fun at it i don't really know like if you go on the if you go on the all-consuming website um all show, like the the copy on there clearly is poking fun at it like there's a line that says it's podcasting reinvented reimagined um and you know it's it's that kind of thing and it, but then you know and it also says you know we'll try all this bullshit so you don't have to hmm you know and and it's just and it's that kind of thing that you're like okay but then you you listen to the show and they get really into the product they've both bought the product right and they've both clearly spent time with it which i think is kind of important because i think if the show was them buying a thing looking at it for 5 minutes laughing and then recording like an hour and a half of audio about how stupid they thought it was i think that get dull very quickly but the kind of thing i like about it is that they really go all in on like trying the thing out and then talking about, and they have these kind of long, freewheeling conversations that kind of veer off in different directions occasionally. But they they generally do get back to this this product, and there's always mm. this kind of like knowing wink at the listener that they know that it's bullshit. But they the way they talk about it kind of like teeters on the edge of like authenticity and also taking the piss. Yes. And, and I don't know. There's just something about it. I d- I don't really know. Um, and the episode I recommended was uh, the first episode because why not? It's a, it's a great introduction. And it was around a product called Nugs, which is like a, a a um like a a meatless chicken nugget alternative. Both of us being vegan, Jack, I thought that's a good place to start because Indeed. it's a product that makes sense to us. And they have quite a long conversation about like. Their memories of, you know, not even memories because neither of them are vegan, but like, you know, what they what they, you know, when they eat chicken nuggets and, you know, going to <laughs> McDonald's and all these kind of things and how that compares to, to Nugs and, and the fact that Nugs as a company, like, which if you go on the Nugs website feels like a parody. Um, yeah. They they have they they're on Nugs 2.0 now, and it, they come with they come with release notes. They've made it like really, um, Fuck. really like technology focused. I think that their tagline is something like the Tesla of chicken. Yeah, the Tesla of chicken, <laughs> which is just absolutely mad. Until you realise that they're not joking. This is like, the it's like. <sighs> again it's it's like the show it's like it's somewhere teeters between authenticity and completely taking the piss didn't and i don't understand it that
0: that card as well that comes in the box and it says welcome to the simulation
1: yes because well. they've rebranded their company <laughs> to be called simulate now because they're doing more than just nuggets now so weird um yeah it's it's really weird and i just i, I don't know i didn't want to make of the show to be honest i just find it quite um kind of an intriguing lesson what what did you think
0: Yeah, I mean, so firstly, there was a common sensation that I got going into all three of your recommendations, Freddie, which was looking at the subject matter of the show, then looking at the runtime and being like, how the fuck are they going to drag this out for as long as, you know, based on what they're talking about? So as you say, this is about a simulated chicken nugget. How much can you actually say? And it's, what, 50-plus minutes? And they're talking... The whole time, and as you say, that while they are going in different directions, they're essentially talking about this nugget specifically for pretty much the whole time. And this was such a delight. This podcast, I think, what you really have to fall back on here is a really strong host dynamic, and these guys are clearly just pals. They understand Mm. each other's humor, and I think that's so important for being able to toe this line that you so eloquently talked about Freddie, which was between talking about these things authentically and also having a levity as well, which kind of knows that it's not this hugely profound thing that maybe it doesn't deserve 50 minutes of conversation, but they're going for it anyway. But actually, I think what they show is that if you've got two hosts who are really capable at being inquisitive and pushing a conversation forward, that you can talk about anything and really get Mm. to some interesting places. And I actually had, not only did I just enjoy their company and I thought they were having a good time and that kind of thing's infectious, but I thought their dissection of the chicken nugget was so thorough and makes you realise that when you're approaching a simulated chicken product, you are basically conducting this autopsy on the original chicken nugget as an engineering project. Like, what makes that chicken nugget what it is what makes it appealing like we think of it as a throwaway food but i think what this podcast demonstrates is that there is so much meticulous planning that goes into what arrives in a cardboard box at mcdonald's you know and 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 by recreating that experience that that all of that needs to be taken into account and so that you know the podcast as you say talks about the the experience of eating chicken nuggets the shame specifically of sitting in your car and downing a pack of them what that feels like but also stuff like um talking about the randomness of the shape of the chicken nugget as perhaps quite a key attribute in terms of why it feels (laughs) like an authentic experience which i thought was such an interesting point um i really liked it i think this kind of paradox about being authentic but also being Quite light at the same time, feels so appropriate for a subject like this. Like I have to confess, I'm back on the socials, Freddie. When lockdown came in, I did start to want to really reconnect with a lot of people that I was only communicating through certain means. So I am more (laughs) Ofei now. I'm I'm, I'm, I am one of the consumers to whom this is directed. These products, so I'm 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 aware of the kind of tone that you talk about, and they do exist in this strange liminal space between looking really appealing and you, you end up having these internal discussions where you're like, that looks really appealing, whatever it is. Like, I get a lot of baby shit put my way. Um, hmm. That looks really appealing. It looks really useful. And then you've got this other voice being like, it's not that simple. Like, look at it. It doesn't even look real. So you have that tussle going on. I think that their tone of their podcast is an acknowledgement of the fact That in some sense, they are the real deal. Like a lot of these things are quite interesting and quite, quite useful or quite tasty in this case. But there is a there is a a, a bullshit around the edges, which makes it all the more complicated. Basically, I loved it. I thought this was a really, really cool (laughs) podcast. I think it's such a simple premise that in the wrong hands could have been utter shit. And it wasn't because they're really good hosts.
1: Yeah, I the the bit where they they just to go back the bit where they talked very in detail about the kind of the um, gastronomic makeup of a chicken nugget, <laughs> reminding me very much. I don't know if you ever kind of came across this, got into this at all. Are you are you aware of a guy called the Chicken Connoisseur and the the uh, YouTube series The Pengus Munch? No. Okay. Well, uh, uh, very briefly, it's a it's a guy. He goes around London and he goes into all of the fried chicken shops. And he buys the same thing. He buys some wings, buys some fries, and he buys a chicken burger, normally a strip burger. And he does a very, very thorough review in each episode (laughs) of those three items. And he marks them out of five with a um, one decimal point scoring system. So, you know, you can do a 3.9 out of five. Great. And, and the, the level of detail he goes into his reviews, I just got obsessed with it over the summer because <laughs> I just found it so, I don't even eat it. And I, right. I just found it really like, I just loved the how in to the detail of talking about the breading, the seasoning, the flavor, the crunch, the crispiness, the dryness, the, you know, the, the, the fluffiness of the chips. Like I loved it. Yeah. I don't know why. And I think this is a little bit of that. Um, and I'll say for all consuming, like Noah and Adam go into um, the same kind of like level of commitment on the other products. I listened to the episode they did on the pillow cube, which is literally a cube shaped pillow. Right. And they recorded it lying down on their beds. <laughs> and the, the, the beginning of the podcast is just them talking about all the hassle and effort they went to to rig up boom mics. To go over their beds, so they could be lying <laughs> on their beds recording this stuff. That's so good, and I loved it. I just thought it was brilliant. And then, and and the, you know, half the episode is just talking about how they sleep. Um, <laughs> it's it's good. Anyway, um, that's enough about that. Jack, hit me with another recommendation.
0: Let's talk about Very Bad Wizards, which is mm. a podcast that I've been listening to for several years now, and never brought it up. Which was It was always something I considered doing, but I think it's a very particular type of podcast and they're very particular hosts as well. I always worried about them being misconstrued and me by proxy as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, so it's a podcast about philosophy and ethics presented by psychologist Dave Pizarro and philosopher Tamla Summers. And so they generally take a piece of, I don't know, either like a, a, a... philosophy paper or a film or a book sometimes even section of the bible and then they talk through it they discuss it they break it down and they take it basically on like a philosophy and ethics road trip and talk through every aspect of it what i really love about this podcast well there are many things i mean firstly these are two hosts who aren't afraid to go at each other And to really Mm -hmm. have a quite spirited argument, which occasionally tips over into being quite petulant, which I'm absolutely fine with (laughs) as well. I think that's the line you tread (laughs) if you're willing to go hard on a on a friend. So, but also as well, I think just the 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 depth that they get into, I think they manage to dig down into their expertise without leaving me behind as well. I think they're always, you know, they've they've been doing this show for over 200 episodes now. they're very aware of of their audience and the fact that you know a lot of these people are very interested in these topics but not necessarily experts so the subject well the the episode that i picked rather was one all about conspiracy theories and actually i said to you just to relieve you of the pressure of listening to a two-hour podcast (laughs) the first um half of this podcast was a reflection on doing 200 episodes of the show which actually you know as a a long time listener i found very interesting they talk about their experience of doing the show what they've learned um Mm -hmm. and they speak about it with a real uh, did did you listen to that bit freddie or did you skip it there's no right answer
1: i i definitely i definitely took you up on your kind (laughs) offer to skip the first hour
0: good yeah which is fine you know uh, like i say I think it's something that definitely you get value from if you've been listening to the show for a while. They talk about it so fondly and it's really cool to hear about them, you know, dissect their reasons for originally doing the show, what they've learned, etc. But the second half, they talk about conspiracy theories and they base it on, I think there's a few papers that they read in advance of it, which they don't necessarily dig into specifically, but they talk generally about why we believe in conspiracy theories and why they stick as well, you know why are these theories so appealing and tantalizing, and obviously it's a subject that could so easily slip into derision and sort of making fun of anti vaxxers and all this business and I think there is a real Mickey taking stupid energy to the podcast, but it they know where to apply it, and when they do, I think they're doing so in order to bring an irreverence to like the subject matter of like ethics and philosophy in a way to just, I don't know, just to blow the terrain wide open. Like a lot of the jokes mm-hmm. they make, I feel like Virjon, you know, I think if, if you didn't know them as hosts could just sound thoroughly offensive and ignorant yeah. and quite blunt. But I think because they spend the rest of their time going into these subjects with such meticulous care and passion... You know that they're just doing it as a device in order to make sure that they're not just walking on eggshells with each other. They understand, like, the severity of what they're talking about. So I just, I really love this discussion. Like, they basically talk about the fact that it's really difficult to pin down why people believe in conspiracy theories. Like, I think at one point, Dave Pizarro says, you know, what? I can see why people pick up these theories it's very similar to the reasons that you'd pick up anything that you believe but why do Mm. they stick what's the thing that that makes them stick and it kind of because they're so focused on getting down to the raw answers of things they 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 don't really have a a conclusion and it definitely ends in this open-ended way where they barely scratch the surface and they say as much there's more terrain to be mined here so i'm hoping they do a second part at some point but yeah I love the podcast There's another episode where they break down the film I'm thinking of ending things Which was my favourite film that I've watched this year And they did this amazing Hour plus run through Of what that film You know the symbology in the film Their interpretation of it is such an ambiguous film It's so ripe for different interpretations And it was just It enriched my experience of the film So much um, Great. It's just a wonderful podcast I think it's a podcast that A few of my friends listen to as well and they've had the experience of trying one episode, liking it, and then just ripping through the whole back catalogue as well. So, yeah, it's a great one. If, it, if it's your kind of thing, I think you really do end up sticking with it. But, Freddie, what did you think?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's funny because I'm I'm very much used to listening to um, kind of the NPR style podcast where they take a question like this and they wrap it up quite neatly in about forty five <laughs> minutes, yeah. and they come to a very kind of pithy answer and that's the end of it. Yeah, and this is like almost the anti-NPR, which is like two guys having a very long extended you know, sometimes to the bone, sometimes argumentative conversation with each other. Although I wouldn't say they were too argumentative in this. Maybe there are more. They they seem to be be fairly agreeable in this. but And they don't don't actually draw to any conclusion. Like you say, they don't really get to a neat answer to why do people believe in uh, conspiracy theories. And at first, it really fucking annoyed me. And then (laughs) as I got further and further into it, I was like, no, I just kind of come to appreciate um much like you said about um Adam and Noah and all consuming the fact that these guys clearly have a great rapport um both on and off air and and they just have this like wonderful free flowing conversation and they do a great job of kind of you know veering off subject but or getting back to the point quite quickly mm-hmm in a way that doesn't feel forced it doesn't it feels quite natural uh i the opposite everything i just did with the chicken connoisseur um <laughs> and it, and it and it just and it just works quite nicely and i think you know i kind of wondered like halfway through like have they made notes you know or are they just kind of freewheeling because mm-hmm. i know with like episode party you, you tend to make notes and i tend to freewheel and I think sometimes that shows and sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> but um, uh, you know. Uh, but either way, they just did a really great job of kind of staying on topic, kind of chewing through the subject matter. Even though they didn't reach a conclusion, I don't think they they skirted on the edge of it and never got anywhere with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a difference between like drawing not drawing a conclusion and not even getting into the the meat of the the subject and i think they definitely got into the meat of the subject in a way that was really interesting and even though they didn't get to the you know they didn't get they got to the end and didn't draw any kind of meaningful conclusion from it something which normally would really really annoy me (laughs) i didn't feel annoyed by it like i felt like okay i'm fine with this because i enjoyed the conversation for what it was even if it didn't give me any kind of answer and i think there's something about that sometimes which is like you know there's almost more of an honesty in that in in getting to the end of the conversation be like there's no answer than the kind of um npr style i say npr style this is not specific to npr of course but like get get forcing yourself to draw a conclusion on a subject in 45 minutes flat because i feel like you know, the the medium is the message and all that kind of stuff, you, as soon as you know you've got to do that, you start searching for a very neat answer. Yeah. And that's where you probably might end up with an answer that may not actually be entirely truthful. Yeah. Which, you know, is a, is a whole other issue in itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, beautifully put. I think that's the thing. If you're two people who have this fixation with philosophy and ethics, I think you get very good at being astute at asking questions and not necessarily expecting to get anywhere (laughs) other than to have had a nice time while you're doing it, you know? So, yeah, I think that's the case with this one. All right, Freddie. Next one, what we got?
1: Well, speaking of deep questions <laughs> and deep
0: answers um
1: my friend cal newport he's not actually my friend but <laughs> i wish he was i really like i really like cal newport I, i've i've read most of his books and i I've, I've always really enjoyed his writing i enjoy his take on things and when he started his podcast I, I i was kind of like kind of fortunate that i kind of hit it really early on and got those like really early episodes where he was kind of figuring out what the fuck he was doing mm-hmm. um it was just him turning on a grabbing a load of reader questions and just answering them and actually that format hasn't massively changed as you get towards the kind of latter episodes um it starts to become a bit more structured he's got sponsors on he does a lot more kind of like um you know sam harris style kind of housekeeping at the beginning where he talks about his upcoming book and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and offers and things like that but actually the meat of the podcast him taking a reader question and answering it in what i would say is fairly good detail and kind of like in a kind of a satisfying way even if again if he doesn't come to a complete neat conclusion he does he does take the time to give it a good go Uh, i've come to really enjoy i deliberately didn't give you an episode to listen to because i actually think that the the format is so consistent even though there are slightly different variations on it he does these kind of every other episode he does this thing called a habit tune-up which kind of has a slightly different focus in terms of kind of, yeah, um, as the name suggests, like tuning up a specific habit, so fine-tuning a specific habit that he talks about, whereas the other episodes are a little bit more open, I'd say, and mm-hmm. a bit more kind of, um, yeah, they're a little bit more open. But actually the the format of the show, apart from that, really doesn't change that much. So I deliberately did, didn't give you a specific episode. Um, I think the titles of the episodes are quite good at telling you what they're about, so there was no need for me to kind of, guide you in any specific direction i thought why i just choose one that takes your interest but yeah i come to really enjoy them i enjoy the fact that he uh, like we've we've talked about the problematic aspect of kind of like productivity podcasts and self-improvement podcasts before and the thing i like about cal newport is that he really doesn't try and give a kind of necessarily a marketable answer i think he focuses a lot more on practical answers um Mm -hmm. to questions and, and and he and he quite often and answers different questions with very similar advice because the advice kind of works across all things and i think there's right. something nice about that as well not trying to be novel for the sake of being novel but he also does it in a way that i don't think becomes too kind of catchphrase either i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say except that i kind of like the way he answers questions and i like the way he takes his time over them as well um yeah, what 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 episodes did you listen to? Episode did you listen to Jack, and what what did you think?
0: Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but I think there was one that you mentioned to me, and I can't remember whether you,
1: I did, were, yeah,
0: were recommending it. But it was one that had imposter syndrome in the title, fighting yes. imposter syndrome. So I listened to that one. I also listened to another one prior to you putting that one in my direction. As you mm. say, it seems to be one of those things where. There's not a specific topic being addressed in any of them. So, mm. <clears throat> you know, he's just rolling with these reader questions and ends up covering, like, a huge amount of ground. I mean, again, i come back to the fact that I saw the runtime of this, and as I started to twig as to what the content was, which is basically Cal Newport answering listener questions, I was like, 90 minutes of this? Like, it would just, just <laughs> question and answer the whole thing? Like, he doesn't want to try something else? Um, but I think because... Cal has a very interesting approach to answering these questions and he is he speaks so confidently and lucidly about these things. I think he has this ability to really cut through quite hazy situations that listeners put to him and deliver like what's his um what does he do? Is it computer sciences?
1: His yeah, he's a he's doctorate. a he, he, Yeah, he's a computer scientist. Nice. Or something like that.
0: Yeah, so he has this clearly this very pragmatic brain where you know there's a couple of questions like i remember one of them was a a listener asking like oh i've got two different tutors because he works in academia right so obviously a lot of the questions that come to him center on academia as well and this person was like i've got two different tutors they have two different styles of approaching you know their their time with me so how do i negotiate that you know, space between them. How do I work with both of them when they both work on different schedules? And he was like, just, you know, without missing a beat. And I know he obviously plans a lot of this, but was just like, present your own schedule to both of them and make that, you know, do it on your terms, but set it in a way which clearly is based on the gravitas of having worked in this field for so long. But also as well, just that really awesome thing where where he has this lucidity to his thinking, which I think is really interesting to listen to. And actually it means that... You know, you can have an episode that's 90 minutes long and you just completely cut away a lot of the fluff. You say there's a bit of preamble, but, you know, there wasn't much on the episode that I listened to. He gets stuck into content quickly. I think he realises that for people listening to podcasts on time management, they want to waste half an hour listening to Cal muse about his life and all the things that have been going on. They're there for answers, you know. So (laughs) I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I mean, Cal has been someone that I've been thinking of certainly throughout this year as I've started working from home I mean he did that book deep work where he touched a lot on how open plan offices are really damaging to concentration and that got really kicked up this year in a way that you know I I really did reflect back on what Cal was saying and how you know it's so difficult to work in those environments that's something that I personally have found when I've been working in the office and working from home has been so much better for that reason so he's been in my thoughts I was glad to see this one put in my direction i mean there are aspects of productivity podcasts which i think are just constants which is this like hyper focus it's not a reference to another productivity book or that kind of is (laughs) on agency like the agency of the worker or the person who's doing things to the the like to the 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 expense of any other factor which may influence whether or not someone's able to get the job done right so There's a question that gets asked on imposter syndrome, as I say, where I think it's a woman is like, I'm thinking of using a pseudonym uh, for my writing uh, because Mm -hmm. I have this feeling of imposter syndrome and his solution is just get your work published with a few gatekeepers and everything will be fine. I feel like there's often this very aggressively apolitical nature to productivity podcasts where there's a glossing over of the more... Structural power that may influence whether or not someone is able to be as productive as they want to be. Um, And at the end of that episode as well, there's this really bizarre point where someone asks him a question about critical theory, I think in relation specifically to critical race theory, which got thrown up this summer. I mean, it was in the news over in the UK, the Tory government kind of scaremongering about critical race theory being this thing that shouldn't be taught in schools. And Cal goes on this really sort of scenic history of critical (laughs) theory and at no point really answers the question. I think, again, he presents a problem with himself in that it's a podcast all about agency and about individual responsibility for how much you get done. And I wonder whether that plays into the inability to actually just say, you know, there are structural powers influencing who gets to progress and who doesn't. That I find problematic. But it doesn't expend the value of this podcast in the sense that I come out of listening to Cal Newport talk and I'm like there's shit that I need to organise better I lost my <laughs> V5C booklet for my car today um, Right. and again I was like right I need to listen to Cal how should I <laughs> I need to get back into that mindset Are
1: you going to send him a question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> where is my v5c cow <laughs> it was under my bed it's not there now come on big guy so yeah no, so yeah i thought he's great his presentation style is is uh, uh he's it's really he's really interesting to listen to like when he delivers his answers he always drops in i don't even know it's the name of the person who's asked him the question in a way which is so affectionate yeah and really friendly and personal and i find really engaging so yeah enjoy enjoyed this podcast overall had no issues with it but I think there's a real function to a podcast like this, and I certainly got that that function from it.
1: I know what you mean. It's um, th- I think that's it. I think I think the thing that gets me about this podcast, which I think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head with, which is which is just that the, the, it's the way he answers the questions that mm-hmm. is the, the the appeal to me, and the thing that appeals to me about Cal and the way he speaks about things as the way that other people who host productivity and self improvement podcasts do is the fact that. A lot of the other people that do these kind of things uh, tend to sound like they are just, you know, they they've they've read the book by Cal Newport, and the answer <laughs> they're giving people is actually Cal Newport's answer, kind of garbled through their own kind of lens. Yeah, totally. And 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 done in a way that kind of bigs them up. Whereas Cal Newport, like, you just know that when he's answering a question, it's 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 a hundred percent a result of his own experience and research and thoughts and thinking and I don't know I just feel like when the podcast came out I thought shit yeah we've gone straight to the source this is what we need (laughs) like you know we've taken away all the kind of marketing gloss and sheen of people who make money regurgitating other people's ideas and instead we've got the guy Who has the ideas. Right. And obviously, you know, you you dig far enough into Cal Newport's work and it is based on other people's ideas. But I think he's quite, if you read like deep work or whatever, he's very open about the ideas that he's taking from other people. Absolutely. Um, But I think a lot of these answers are genuinely kind of him giving honest answers to questions and like he, and it's interesting as well that he does this thing on every, occasionally on episodes where he calls it like question roulette which is yes he yeah. says i'm just going to find a random question that i haven't read in advance and i'm going to give an answer and i'd say most of the time his answer to that random question that he's not seen or prepared for in advance is as good as the ones he's prepared for Absolutely, so, yeah and that's kind of when you know he's the real deal so yeah there's something really appealing about it I realised Jack, we we messed this <laughs> yeah, up because we wanted to end say, on your recommendation. Well,
0: let's let's go to another Freddie recommendation. I was going to say the yeah. same thing. We talk, you know, for so long about organisation in the you know, context of Cat's <laughs> podcast, and then we reveal the fact that we've botched. Didn't organise this very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go for it.
1: Right. Okay. This this was this is a funny one because it's kind of a, a late entry to the the um, the show. I was deliberating basically over my third um, third recommendation. Uh, there was a couple of other shows I'd listened to this year for the first time shows that came out in 2020 that i really enjoyed a special shout out to um one of our last guests that we had on before we took a break patrick hill Uh he him and his uh network master one network did a podcast called pondering potter this year and it's the fact that patrick has never ever watched any of the harry potter movies or read any of the books (laughs) and so him and his two co-hosts watched each of the films and talked about them in detail but they do a really funny format where at the beginning of it before they watch the film they ask patrick a load of questions about what he thinks is going to happen in the film what he thinks characters wow, are about that's
0: interesting patrick
1: gives some quite amusing answers and then they watch it and then they talk about it and uh, their, their whole their whole thing master of one network is all about pop culture and, and critique of media so he, they do a really good job of the, the kind of reviewing the film at the end so a little special shout out to that one but the podcast that took my third spot was a very 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 late entry (laughs) so late that i think the episode that we discussed came out on the 14th of december that's right um and we're recording this on the 28th of december so you know not two weeks ago um and that is the brian butterfield pop -Pop podcast um (laughs) which <laughs> is Worse ridiculous except. and I, I have this kind of memory of of you jack and and your wife lizzie showing me brian butterfield for the first time i remember this really well we were in your flat and you and you, got, you guys were cracking up on it and you showed me it on youtube <laughs> and it was their brian butterfield diet plan uh, yeah. skit and, and and ever since then that's kind of followed me around and i showed it to my fiance laura and she loves it and we we, we say bon, bon 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 all the time <laughs> um and and all that kind of stuff and so when this came out i was like how can i not bring it up right and the best part of that was i kind of recommended it before i'd actually listened to it and then i listened to it and i was like okay good it's actually not too bad it's worth talking about still and it's like little things like the um the description of the podcast is quite funny because when you read it it's got mark Maron's name crossed out and then it says brian butterfield which is just brilliant um the the episode description uh, is write a brief description of the episode explaining any interesting elements <laughs> within it that may entice listeners to subscribe. Best of luck, and please stop emailing me, Mark Maron. And it's just quite amusing and the podcast itself is ba- that kind of sums up the podcast itself it's it's very it's incredibly meta in all of its humor it's incredibly buying butterfield in what's humor at times it's a little bit droll and a little bit cheesy um you know where he kind of puts random kind of like idents in with like pumping music that's meant to be like a placeholder and he makes jokes about not being able to use a computer and all those kind of things and you know it is a bit stupid but I, I don't know. It's the end of 2020. We already needed some kind of stupid humor to get us through. And, um, totally. it, it, Rob Delaney is his first guest. Um, Rob does a great job of playing along with the joke. Um, takes Brian very seriously, but not too seriously. And yeah, I don't know. It's just good, silly fun. What, what, what did you think?
0: There is good, silly fun. I mean, again, we come back to the fact that this episode was over 40 minutes long and as you say, the context in which I've most enjoyed Brian Butterfield, and I should confess, it's the only thing I've actually seen of Brian Butterfield was about a one minute video of him and his (laughs) diet plan. So I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. What's going to happen over 40 minutes. It's really interesting. I think what happens when you get these characters, especially when they're quite garish, like Brian Butterfield, like it's Peter Serafinovich. Yeah. That's better. Um, his character, and he's putting on, like, quite a voice. I don't know what accent that is, but he has to hold it for, like, the whole podcast you hear the kind of slippages of the the accent that he's doing you hear sort of like brian sort of slipping out and slipping in again or at least i felt i did like because he's just having to keep it going for so long i think there's always this thing it's the same with brian gittins you know where david Earl is putting on this awful throat shredding voice for the entire time where after a while it you know it's, it's a wacky thing to begin with and then it just gets really surreal you've got two guys, one of them's a fictional character, the other one is a genuine comedian, holding a conversation for 40 minutes and I think even Rob Delaney, who is great and does an amazing job but kind of has to decide whether or not he buys into the fiction and yeah. starts bullshitting himself or answers as you know, a genuine person I love the fact that you end up with those dilemmas when you have a podcast presented by a wacky fictional personality. That's fantastic. Um, I enjoyed the humour in this a lot. Like, um, they had a lot of excellent listener questions come in like the person who said, I haven't turned on my computer since 1997 due to fear (laughs) over the Y2K bug, is it safe to turn it on again now? And Brian recommends that they, they can turn it on but they should install his personal antivirus software before they do so, which again, like... It's great, isn't it? Like, Brian Butterfield is clearly this person who has... He's kind of stuck in 1996 and has this very distorted view of how adept he is in the world. Doesn't really understand the world around him. Um, But tries... I mean, have you seen his website? Jesus Christ.
1: It's funny you should say you don't know the accent that he's putting on because the first thing I thought of when you said that was just his accent is every boomer. (laughs) Like, that's the only way I can describe (laughs) it. it. He's every boomer.
0: He's every boomer who
1: was like an entrepreneur. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So his in his website is absolutely ballistic. It's just like primary <laughs> colors, Times New Roman, everything sort of a lot of uh things you click lead nowhere. Um I went on there to find out some more information about the podcast which I guess I kind of did. You know, it sort of fits in nicely <laughs> with the tone. Yeah. Do you know what? I think there is uh, there, there there is more that could be mined from this. Like obviously they have different sections where, like I say, answers business questions. They have that through the keyhole thing where yeah. Rob Delaney has to guess who he's listening to. Like you know, you have got a celebrity walking through a house, and he has to guess which celebrity <laughs> he's hearing. And at that point, I'm like, this is bit, doesn't have much to do with Brian Butterfield by this point. Like, it could be anyone doing this bit, but again i think there's something because he's so tacky and hopeless there's something that it kind of fits that the podcast drags itself to kind of a sorry end i figure yeah. that there's also like a, an opportunity to do something which has more of a narrative to it with brian butterfield i feel like with a lot of these personas you end up yeah over a, a, a long duration you end up seeing like um even though they seem quite wacky on the outside there's a lot of darkness in there and a lot of sadness in there which as the longer time you spend with them the more that you get to see um maybe there's something a little bit morbid and dark about me for wanting this but I kind of want it to go to those places just how staff goes to those places and you know Brian Gittins goes to those places I think there's room for that in this podcast as well but Hey, I enjoyed it. As you say, it was like a real perfect dose of silliness as I drove back from the office for my last shift in the office of 2020. So, <laughs> appreciated for that reason definitely.
1: Yeah, it's um yeah, I think that's all you can I think that's all it's not not to not to be reductive about it. It's it's good. It's not it's not that it's not good. It's just that the the best thing you can say about it is that it is really silly and that's not <laughs> at all yeah, like I say, it's not trying to be reductive in the same no. way that one of the best things you can say about staff is that it's really silly. Absolutely. Like- I, I don't know i just i just read the um <laughs> description for the micro episode yes. which is the one that came out <laughs> this is supposed to be the full episode unfortunately i spoke gravy on my computer again and it's just like that's perfect again, and then the bit at the end excellent. rest assured yeah rest <laughs> assured the people at pc world are doing their absolute best to recover the original audio and my ethereum fortune which is just really funny <laughs> and uh, i don't know I, I mean who knows whether we'll get another one because the end of the description it says this episode this podcast will be released frequently that frequency is by decadal tune in for the next episode december 2040 it could be 20 years before we get another episode i would of this. kind of I, love kind of... that
0: the commitment would be phenomenal wouldn't it
1: yeah especially if he's recorded them all like in december this year <laughs> so he's got you know 80 years worth of podcasts or something ready to go love it that's all i have to say on that one I, I, it's just silly and I, I guess you know if you're listening and you want something silly to end your year on it's a good place to be let's talk about something less silly jack i suppose
0: (laughs) yeah i think so (laughs) no it is i mean you can only come down can't you really so this (laughs) is interdependence and it's a podcast by musician holly herndon and artist matt dryhurst they're collaborators and partners and their podcast describes itself as conversations with people working on projects at the forefront of 20th century culture with an emphasis on music technology and policy i came into this podcast through Holly Herndon, in the sense that I'm a big fan of her music. I've seen her play live and uh, bought her records and stuff. So I think she's really great. Um, her and Matt Dryhurst work together quite frequently. They have this AI that they've generated, which appears on their most recent album as part of like the choir that they use on that record. Really interesting. So they're constantly thinking about this intersection between art and technology within their artistic output and it feels like that this is sort of an accompaniment that allows them to have conversations to to supplement what they're doing on an artistic stage. So the episode that I picked was with Tom Gray who was in the band Gomez and is also director at PRS who worked to provide artists with royalties and influence policy in favour of artists when it comes to making money within music and the reason i picked this episode is that it touches on a lot of things that i think become re- th- recurrent themes in the show so um streaming and the problems with the streaming model basically that that re- really awkward intersection between the 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 uh, quantitative value of music and the fact that it's like an artistic practice and particularly how that's become even more fraught as we've gone further into the 21st century so yeah, they they have this really nice conversation uh, where they talk through, firstly, Tom Gray's experience in the band Gomez, and Tom straddles the old model where, you know, albums were sold on CDs, and, you know, Gomez won the Mercury Prize, and, you know, they were on quite a big label, like a sub-label of Virgin, I think it was. And then mm-hmm. he also transited into this you know, he was around when mp3 players came in and obviously Napster came in and physical record sales started to plummet so he talks through this whole narrative which is really interesting to hear about and then they get onto the subject of being an artist today what it means to make money within music the issues with streaming there's this wonderful bit where Tom talks about a tweet that he did about the Beatles and how you know when they stopped touring back in the end of the Beatles they couldn't have possibly made money if they were reliant on streaming royalties for their music, you know, based on the current economic model, which is all very <clears throat> interesting. I think Tom Tom's an interesting guest. Like, I think he has this thing where he very much curates what he's saying and his own story um, for the benefit of interesting audio, maybe more so than necessarily saying what he exactly thinks. Like, he he, he talks a lot about... When he talks about you know getting into p r s he says that you know he did politics, I think he studied politics originally. he's a musician, he realized he was someone on the intersection between the two and realized he should probably do something within the realms of what he's doing now and in trying to influence policy he said he was really reluctant to do it but he did it anyway i'm like i don't think you end up being director of prs with this oh god well i, I guess a I better kind of you know attitude to it I, i'm not sure how much i really believe him but basically the the, the crux of it was really introducing you freddie to like the, the the whole model of this or the whole way this podcast works like matt and holly i think ask really interesting questions matt mm-hmm. i think is maybe sometimes a bit too verbose and mm. ask very convoluted questions. But I think ultimately like what he's doing leads to bringing the conversation to a deeper level. Again, this is a podcast which I think generates a bit of heat in terms of discussion and pushing back and disagreeing, which I think, especially when you're talking about these kind of issues, which don't generally get a lot of airtime on podcasts, I think it's great that they're exploring every aspect and you know generating arguments on these things. And Holly, I think, whenever she... Uh, wh- whenever she talks, whenever she asks a question as well, it's always something very incisive and very provocative, which again gives the conversation like this really good boost and takes it to a new place. um It is as well a podcast where you only get the full content if you are a patron, so if you pay on Patreon. Mm. So if you're listening to the free tier, you get about 50 minutes in, and then this shimmering electronic sound comes in, sweeps away the conversation just as it's getting tantalising and you're told that you need to pay to continue. We can talk about that a little bit more in a bit because I think that's really interesting. But what did you think of the podcast, firstly, Freddie?
1: Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I think it's fair to say that um, as someone who's kind of like dabbled in little bits of music over the years, but has never really... Uh, done anything particularly seriously around it there was there was elements of this conversation that i felt a little bit out of depth in um right because of the nature of of what it's talking about i know you know you you jack you've you've put out records you've worked with labels you've set up your own label um we've got we've, we've got mutual friends who are now successful recording artists in their own right so you know that bit of knowledge obviously helps and i mean why would you potentially listen to this this podcast if you didn't have the specific episode anyway if you didn't have some somewhat of an interest in those kind of things but i actually did find the conversation particularly interesting and and i think you know the, the setup of kind of tom's own background in gomez and how the band changed and the music industry changed with it and, and or, you know, the music industry changed the band changed with it. Um, <laughs> kind of helps to kind of tee it up. Um, that bit kind of went on for probably longer than I would have liked but then I think that's also because, you know, as you mentioned, if you're on the free tier they cut it <laughs> off right as it gets interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so perhaps it didn't go on for as long as longer than i liked more so that the the really interesting bit didn't go f- on for as long as i'd have wanted Indeed. without yeah. me having to pay for it obviously which uh, spoiler alert as, as someone who's new to the podcast i didn't do um <laughs> we will get onto all of that later i'm sure but i did find it really interesting and i think you know they 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 do ask really interesting questions there was an interesting bit not long before that um free tier cut off where holly and matt seemed to get into their own kind of debate with Tom kind of sat on the yeah, sideline yeah about kind of the um the value of music and you know what it means to go into a store and pay however many you know pounds for 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 a record for an LP you yeah. know and, and what that means by that you know is it is you know and then there was a discussion about whether whether it's to do with the fact that they were talking about the argument that came up I think you know, in a courtroom I think was was about you know, how people people buy music, but they don't necessarily listen. You know, people buy an album, but they don't necessarily listen to the whole album. Or maybe mm-hmm. they only listen to it three times or, or once or 50% of it. Uh, and does that dictate the value of it? Or is the value that you saw it on the shelf and you said, this is worth me paying £12 for right now right. and then buying it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the point where it got cut off. And that was the bit that obviously naturally really started to get very interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think i'm intrigued to see how that that turned out because i feel like uh, especially because holly and matt have their own kind of views and opinions on it and and tom was kind of almost acting like an umpire at a a point you know with that conversation yeah it almost became the table kind of got flipped and he almost felt like the host um which i kind of enjoyed um yeah and i think you know as the kind of director of prs and you know this figurehead of the broken record campaign and you know i, I almost think that's kind of like a, a kind of an, a good thing for him to be able to sit back and not necessarily completely broadcast his own opinion about everything and and let these two people talk about them even though they're meant to be the host and he's meant to be the guest <laughs> um you know there's something kind of like kind of nice about that i think is you know Letting that happen um hmm. so yeah of what I heard of it, it was really interesting <laughs> um so i mean the first question is jack are you a are you a, are you a paid up interdependence listener do you get the full episode
0: yeah, can I be totally honest um as of today, yes, yeah. because I knew I was gonna yeah. come on here and I was right. gonna <laughs> recommend you a podcast that talks about the problems. And issues when it comes to trying to monetize content that doesn't exactly get a lot of money going into it. And I was about to say, yeah, I recommend this podcast, but I don't bother paying for it. But, I mean, ultimately, (laughs) it's a podcast where... This this is a particularly interesting episode because they refer back to it again and again, you know, in later episodes. And one thing that they refer back to is Tom talking about the idea of the user-centric model for streaming revenue, which... I won't go into it now, but basically that doesn't appear in this conversation excerpt that you get with the free tier. So I was always like, what is this? And I'm very interested in the uh, economics of streaming. Uh, So I really wanted to hear where that went. And, you know, so I I have now started being a patron and it's something that I've thought about for a while. I think my reluctance we can get into in a sec is probably to do with how I've been habituated to consuming podcasts and how I perceive them mm. to function within my life like and, and but i was like do you know what no let's bite the bullet i'm enjoying this content think of it like a magazine or a record and you know something that that truly does warrant your money because people are putting time and effort and energy into this stuff i also think it's just a fantastic model like you know again we could talk about this a bit more in a bit but yes. Yeah, so yeah i am paying for this now I really enjoyed the rest of this episode. You get like double the length. So it's about a two hour conversation. And also that kind of saga of, you know, the history of Gomez actually ends up being like, I don't know, a quarter or a fifth of the show, which I think, as you say, it does Uh... go on for a long time. That feels about right. Like a little intro to Tom's kind of where, you know, his background and where he's from. But what I can foresee happening and paying for it. And now we we really want to move into more of, like, just talking about this generally, don't we? Which is, you know, this is, seems to have come up more, which is podcasts which use the sort of free version or the version you can download through your podcasting app without, you know, paying anything. That's almost like a, a front-end sort of advertisement for the actual content. I think Sam Harris has started doing it where he chops episodes off and you have to, just, uh, have to subscribe to get the whole thing. Um, yeah. Which leads to a point where I guess you start to generate loyalty with a few specific shows and listen to them on the regular and you, you know, give them your money because you support what they do. Instead of having this sort of omnivorous, you know, something that might spark a podcast like Episode Party, where you're just listening to podcast after podcast because, you know, there's no down payment necessary. I mean, what's your thoughts on this, Freddie? I know you're now a, a paid up member to cortex is that right
1: yeah yeah it's interesting that you this was the this was the year that you became a kind of paying podcast supporter of a specific show because the same happened for me mm-hmm. you know i found myself in a position this year where i, I had a bit of spare money and i was like right I, you know the two things i really want to do is donate more to charity which i'm doing and i was also kind of like wanted to support some things that i really get a lot of enjoyment out of but don't actually pay for and one of them was podcasts and mm-hmm. and it kind of coincided about the time when really fm um were kind of changing up their revenue model a bit sparked by kind of the pandemic and and the dip in kind of advertising uh revenue i don't actually know how that's panned out i i you know people are still advertising on podcasts because you hear it but like i don't know how prevalent that is mm-hmm. for whatever reason you know they said okay right we're, we're going to really kind of pay up you know ham up our membership program they've always relay had always had a membership program But the the original model was kind of like, you you pay, you know, however much, you get some benefits, you get a members-only feed which contains special episodes. Mm -hmm. So each podcast would produce a special episode or they produce some, you know, non-specific special episodes that were kind of outside of this, you know, the set of Relay podcasts, but were in the kind of Relay FM world. And that was all well and good. But I guess for me, that didn't hold much value. What they then started doing was saying, okay, well, you know, Actually, what we're now going to do is certain shows, not all shows, but certain shows are going to have a longer members version of each episode. And what's interesting about this is like it's kind of it's different to something like Interdependence where, you know, they're chopping off half the episode and saying, if you want to hear the full episode, you've got to listen to this. Mm -hmm. The kind of relay cortex cell was like you still get the full version of cortex, like you can still listen to Mike and Gray chat about to do apps for an hour and fifty six minutes. <laughs> um, but the only difference is, is that Mortex, which that all of them are kind of like have kind of funny <laughs> names like that, has an extra kind of twenty minutes of something else, and it's not necessarily the the continuation of the conversation. It's something maybe slightly different. Or it's something, you know, that's related to the the topic, but it's kind of like additional, but it's not. It, and then the other thing is they, they remove the ads. Now, the ads, I, I literally couldn't care less whether the ads were in it or not, because the ad reads to me now are just something that I can. Uh, sometimes I really enjoy them. Sometimes I find out useful stuff. Sometimes I, you know find stuff i want to buy um Mm -hmm. hopefully stuff that's not going to be on all consuming (laughs) and and uh, but like the 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 the, the bit that i liked was the fact that, that that it wasn't kind of like it was it was more carrot than stick in the sense that it was like yes you don't you don't get less from not paying you just get more from paying and actually kind of like that i'm not saying that's the right method but i personally just liked that yeah yeah at that point it was kind of like a no-brainer the funny thing about relay was they always gave the option to say quote-unquote support a specific show but there was never any real tangible benefit to that like i could say that i was supporting cortex and i think on the financial end maybe they give more money to shows depending on who's supporting what i don't know Hmm. but just that's complete guesswork but there was no real reason for it whereas now because i support cortex i get this members only feed of cortex which has longer episodes there's other shows on relay that if i supported them i could get them instead and obviously you can support more than one show so then obviously the revenue that they make goes up so i don't know it's funny because i kind of wonder how many shows I'll end it kind of the the, where it feels like it's going to me is kind of like streaming services where, yeah, you know, at one point there was Netflix and Netflix charged you six pounds a month or whatever. And you got everything. And then every kind of big production company, big production house, big media, you know, corporation, when, hang on a second. Why are we giving all our stuff to Netflix? Let's let's make our own streaming service. And now you've got like, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Disney Plus, you've got you know whatever the HBO one is called, you know, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And I, I just wonder at what point do we hit kind of like kind of like a peak on that because yeah, we can't you know if every podcast suddenly decides to monetize, either you have to accept you know bite the button accept that you're going to be listening to. far you know fewer podcasts especially full episodes of podcasts or you end up spending what you know potentially 100 quid a month on all the podcasts you listen to i don't know
0: exactly yeah it's interesting isn't it because i think and i think back as well shout out to patrick again because this came up on our episode with him when he recommended disneyland for designers and that episode that he recommended Mm. was called something like the Thirteen. most interesting things about the haunted mansion, but yeah. I think that one was even more brutal, right, because they didn't even get to talking about the thirteen things <laughs> and then it faded no. out um i yeah. I remember at the time I felt really robbed, and I still have mixed <laughs> feelings on it, but Patrick was had a really interesting perspective and was like, I think it depends from where you come from, like some people have this expectation that they should be paying for content and in fact it's you know only right that there should be this monetary exchange when someone's putting all this investment in it which you know i think now that i've signed up for interdependence i've also um also supporting navarro media as well having listened to like their podcast you know every single day over the summer i was like i probably should throw them some money as well that makes absolute total sense i guess it's difficult isn't it when podcasting has come through as something which was totally free give people as its main selling point the opportunity to just dive into any number of subjects and things and just try them on a whim uh, yeah. and now people are having to habituate to a completely different style of listening like i mean in some senses that's quite appealing to me like i like the idea of paying for like the idea of paying for something and feeling like a real kinship with that show yeah and knowing that my money's going in and that in, in ways it makes for a more enriching listening experience i think i mean is that something you found as a member of cortex has that changed your relationship with that podcast
1: It's funny you should say that, because I think towards the end of the year, I've absolutely fucked it on listening. I've got about (laughs) six episodes of (laughs) Mortex sitting. And Mortex doesn't really, you know, Cortex slash Mortex doesn't actually release that often. They're not amazingly regular. They're not like a weekly show. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I have a lot of listening to catch up on in terms of that show. What's interesting is, I think the other day when I queued up all of your recommendations to start listening to them, I went through my entire feed and I started basically just declaring kind of bankruptcy on 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 this year's <laughs> listening because i had Miles and miles and miles of shows queued up, and I was just like, "There's no way before the end of the year I'm going to do this, and I do not want to start the new year with the kind of emotional and mental, you know, burden of thinking that I've got to listen to all of the stuff before nice. I can listen to anything new." Yeah. So I I just went through and just started brutally culling all of these queued up shows, and I, every time I got to like a MorTex one, I was like, "I can't because I've paid for it. Right. This is it's silly. Why cost? am I discarding yeah. this? It is a sunk cost." Uh, and and to be honest, like you know, obviously there's a reason why I chose to support that show specifically and not another show because it's a show that i get a lot of enjoyment out and without fail will listen to every time a new episode comes out apart from obviously the last month um you know so i I think that does make a bit of a difference um so i don't know whether it's necessarily strengthened my kinship but it definitely kind of confirmed it i guess yeah when there's a financial transaction i guess it's the same as like I remember when I was like 14, 15, I'd, I'd go and meet my friends in town and we always used to meet outside of HMV because it was like opposite the bus station. And, <laughs> you know, if, if I was early, which I inevitably was because I was kind of nerdy and punctual and all my friends were cool and late, um, <laughs> I'd go in and I'd start like looking at like new albums and singles and stuff like that. And obviously like 14, 15 you fucking love loads of music yeah yeah but when you walk into a store and you're 14 15 you know i was i was working at my aunt's cafe at the time and probably earning like you know 25 quid a week or whatever Uh, you know you don't have the money to buy every single album from every single band you supposedly really love Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of financial transaction at least if nothing else kind of forces you to question okay i say i really love all this stuff but what do i really love absolutely and yeah like where am i prepared to put that money and you know and you walk out with a corn album you know like it's that kind of thing <laughs> Good um, job. i didn't buy a corn album I did. um <sighs> <laughs> um you know um and and that's kind of how i feel about it it's like it hasn't necessarily strengthened my kinship to the show just confirmed maybe what
0: i already knew but hadn't had to think about mm-hmm that's really cool. I also think it's interesting you say there are episodes you haven't listened to, despite the fact you're still paying for it. I think what's nice about this kind of arrangement is it is it through Patreon or is it their own platform on Cortex?
1: They're using their own platform. Interesting, um,
0: but it's somewhat similar to to the I
1: know what the Patreon setup is. Yeah, um, and it's similar. Similar.
0: Cool. I, I kind of like this sort of unconditional monthly payment which i guess is really good for a content creation in the sense that you get this stable income right which yeah. is totally different from if it was from advertisements or if you had to pay on a per episode basis which totally True. frees them up to i mean firstly it generates more long-term investment right where it's like You know, I just trust you to make good content and I know I'm not going to love every episode you do, but I think generally what you're doing is really appealing. There's something really lovely about that that relieves the pressure to perform every single episode and make it really tantalising. And that obviously surely does the content a favour. You're you're, you're not having to, like, really push for the the pounds. Um, Also as well, in contrast to, like, the advertising model, it's really cool, right? Because in order to generate an incentive for more money you generate Mm. better content you're kind of contradicting what i just said but you're making an appeal through making stronger shows stronger podcasts whereas on an ad model you are basically trying to make the appeal towards advertisers so that then leads towards diluted content and bigger ad slots and stuff so I, i i like that aspect of it where this direct support is just like a you know it, it, again, it's that direct relationship where it's just like, yeah, I love what you do. Keep doing it, please.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting as well um, because you're you know, talking about like the kind of financial sustainability and having been able to kind of do some long-term planning, knowing kind of what you're bringing in money-wise. And it's interesting as well because um, with Relay, they give you the option to, to to be a member on a yearly basis, on an annual basis. Right. So you can pay $5 a month or you can pay $50 a year so you know although you're getting a slight discount there you you, you are committing then on a, on a much more long-term basis yeah. you know you're effectively giving them 10 months of guaranteed revenue which yes. is which is which is great i i I'd be i'm really interested to know how it works out for them and i'm hoping that there will be a show at some point where they talk about it interestingly enough um relay do have this kind of alongside these kind of um members only versions of their podcasts they do also do two shows they they have they have what they call the crossover feed which is where they do all their kind of specials and stuff like that and they also have these two shows which are kind of bonuses for any member so you get a show called fusion which is again which is kind of like a crossover show with like different guests from different shows they also do a show called backstage which is where mike hurley and um, Stephen hackett we had mike on the show years back now but um <laughs> yes, and Stephen, who's the who's the co-founder they they talk about the business of making podcasts and they've started at the very beginning on like how to choose a co-host how to choose guests how to record a show how to edit it I'm hoping at some point they will get to the revenue thing and perhaps talk a little bit about it. I don't think that they're, they're, they, they, neither of them is the kind of people who are going to start publishing hard numbers anywhere. But uh, I really hope at some would be really interesting to know at some point whether the model that they've gone, or gone for is really helping them out and mm. is making a difference. Um, but I think, you know, I think all of these shows, I do know, it feels like what they've done is is a model that kind of works on a lot of levels. Because people who, for whatever reason, can't support it, yeah, you know, by paying for it, totally. still get pretty much the entire experience. And it's ad supported. And, you know, like I say, for me personally, I don't care about the ads. It doesn't bother me that they're there. So, you know, it, it wouldn't bother me if I had to not pay for it and get the ads. But people who can support it get, get something a little bit more. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully that means that they can continue kind of working off two revenue streams.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's definitely something appealing, isn't it, about making that content free for everyone who's not got £10 a month to make available to the podcast. But it's like, hey, yeah. you know, if you have got that going spare, shove it yeah. in our direction, please. All right. Not in our
1: direction, though. Let's just be clear. We're not going to launch a membership <laughs> program for a show. That we done one for you. 20- <laughs> 20... I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, dear. Cool. Yeah.
0: Um, awesome. Well, we've been um, wittering on now, Freddie, for quite some time. Um, anything else you want to say about either podcast listening in 2020 or where you think you're headed in 2021 for your podcast listening?
1: I hope I get to listen to more than I did this year. Sure. I think is the main, the main takeaway from it all. I think you know i think again especially at the moment it's really seasonal because i think during during the kind of the heady days of the early you know spring lockdown we had in the uk walks around around the local area accompanied by podcasts were like a real thing yes and obviously as we got closer towards you know and in the summer when we were kind of out a lockdown and there was a little bit more freedom you know your time outside was normally spent kind of socializing and those kind of things again not really kind of podcast listening time and and then towards the end of the year obviously you know getting outside is that little bit more um well a little less appealing
0: um totally. if the weather's terrible so you're hoping for a so- spring lockdown again <laughs> no <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm please no um no i just i just i just yeah i hope i hope i managed to kind of find more time for the shows because mm-hmm. um there's there's still so much good stuff out there and there's still so much good stuff coming out and i think you know it's been a it was kind of like a running joker this year about um white dudes starting podcasts in lockdown um <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, it, it is dudes not necessarily good. Podcasts, full stop. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think you know the the general idea. Let's take the white dudes bit out of it. Like starting a podcast in lockdown, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, sure. And I think it's nice to see that there's still stuff coming out.
0: Absolutely, Freddie. Beautiful place for us to wrap up. Um, yeah. Do you remember? Freddie we used to do at the end of the podcast uh, a little thing about socials obviously they've probably been lying (laughs) dormant for a little bit but I'm sure we'll pop out a tweet and we will be receptive to any hellos that you want to give us any feedback Freddie if people want to do that Do you have any recollections as to where they would go in order to do so? Uh, Let me
1: do it without even bringing anything up on my computer and see if I can just do it. Or or I'm just going to give everyone the wrong details and then, you know, (laughs) all their (laughs) their messages will go into the void. Um, I would just point out, actually, it's been really nice. And if you're one of these people, thank you very much. I checked our analytics last night and considering we haven't put out an episode since about, I think May was our last episode we put out. And even before that, there was quite a gap we're still getting a fairly decent listenership so wow. if you're listening to the up you know the back catalogue and you're sticking around thanks um nice. and if that's you you can you can tell us that and we can thank you personally you can tweet us <laughs> at episode underscore party on twitter or if you don't like twitter that's fine you can email us at hello at episode dot party and uh, we'll both get an email and we'll probably both send you a reply at the same time
0: brilliant yeah because we're so eager Um, wicked well Freddie thank you this has been great I've had a lovely time chatting to you about podcasts
1: oh such fun isn't it
0: and to everyone listening we'll see you next time goodbye bye